When the Lord is um, doing something tender and when He's doing something gently, um, it's funny how the human heart often doesn't know what to do with that. When the Lord slows down, like we're just so used to high-paced, fast life and high-paced, fast Christianity. Next thing, next thing, next thing, move on, do the things. And when the Lord slows down the pace and starts to be very gentle and starts to just touch your hearts and starts to minister to us, sometimes our, our human heart doesn't know what to do with that. And we either panic or we shut down or we disconnect or we disengage. Uh, but I want to encourage you, you can feel the tenderness of the Lord this morning. Um, and there can be the temptation to just go, no, let's, you know, Let's shift it and just, oh, let's, oh, I don't want to handle all that stuff, you know, because that's when it gets real. It's when your heart is actually bare before the Lord. Um, but I just want to encourage you and say, it's okay. The presence of the Lord is here. He loves us. He's a good shepherd. He's shepherding our hearts. He really loves us. And uh, He is so passionately in pursuit of your heart, and I want you to know that. Um, in the last couple of months, I've really felt the heart of the Lord in in just passionately pursuing the heart of every single person so that when we come together as one body, we can come together in the fullness of what he paid for. Um, the gospel is for you. <laughs> and the moment that we think the gospel did something for us and that's great, but now the gospel's for others, that's when we've missed the whole thing. Every day when we, when we wake up, we need fresh mercy and that's why his mercy is new. We need the bread of heaven. We need the manner of heaven. We need the life of Jesus every single day. You need it. I need it. We need it. Amen. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you, what God's doing in 24-7 right now is, is really, really beautiful. We are uh, a young community in, in one sense, even though the church has existed for a while. But we're new in what God has done. We're new in this space. And there's a newness on this house because God is building something for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years that I believe looks very different to what we've known in the past. And it's not because what happened in the past is not God or not right, or it's not that at all. It's just that we're in a new era. We're in a new season. How many of you can, can clearly recognize the world is not the same since COVID? Right? And so the church looks different because Jesus is doing something incredibly powerful in this moment. He will have his reward. He will have his harvest. He's going to see every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping him around the throne. And we're a part of that. And so we've got to allow the perfect leadership of Jesus to shape us, to form us, to do a work in our hearts, to do a work in us as a community. And uh, I would encourage you to remind your heart and your soul every day that you're a part of something that's bigger than your life. That you're a part of something that's so much bigger. The reason why we tweaked our church name from just 24-7 Christian Church to 24-7 Church Global is because I believe God's doing something globally because He's after a bride for His glory. And that's not just 24-7 in Johannesburg, but it's the body of Christ across the nations. And this is our expression. This is where we get to engage and participate in something so much bigger. Amen? I was so encouraged this week. Um, I hope it's okay if I do this, but Michelle... She came and cleaned the whole church on Thursday just because she wanted to serve. I don't know if you, have you seen how much floor there is? <laughs> like, but she, she, I just wanted to say thank you. But I, I also wanted to just say, she said something to us as a team. And I think um, our team put it up on, on social media. But she was just sharing a testimony of this house. Firstly, she said that you all rock. So she really loves you. And we love her. But she said, you know, 24-7 is this spontaneous what was it? It was spontaneous, effort, effortless love. And there was something else. Authentic. Spontaneous, authentic, and effortless love. That's how she described this community. And that really ministered to my heart because I, I desire, and I know that you desire, the real authentic expression of the heart of God in the church. If we're not after that, if we're not in pursuit of the character and the nature of God's heart, what are we doing? 
Amen? We don't want to play church. We don't want to tick the boxes. We don't want to just get into a routine of something. We want to see the Father's heart demonstrated on the earth. Jesus is building His church, and it looks like something. Amen? And so this morning, I'm carrying something on my heart that uh, it's a message that I really believe is central to the gospel. It's essential to life in Christ. But I also know that this morning it will land uniquely and differently on every heart because we're all going through different things, right? And so this, this message, it's, it's central to who we are in Christ, but it's going to land uniquely on our hearts, and that's okay. And so I want you to know that if you feel like today what I'm sharing is going to touch a part of your heart that's really raw and sensitive, that's okay. That in His presence we're safe, in His presence we're covered, in His presence He's shepherding us and leading us into fullness, into wholeness, and into all that He has for us as a church. And my desire is, first and foremost, I'm preaching to my own heart. Uh, and then secondly, as a, as a pastor and as a shepherd, I'm saying, God, would, would you do this in the heart of 24-7? Would you do this in every individual heart and in us together as a family so that we can be a bride for His glory, so that we can be a people for His possession? Like, those are not just cool slogans. You know, those are not just things that we put out there that are, there's actually a reality to that. Like, I don't want the Christian experience without the substance of God, because it's not Christianity. And so I believe every single person needs this truth. I know it's going to land uniquely and differently for every person. But my prayer is that the Lord would really minister to our hearts freedom because we want to see the gospel touch, change, and transform every life, every heart, until we see cities, regions, and the whole earth covered in His glory. See, I want you to just, before I dive into this, I want you to understand something. Your heart is vital to the, the advancement of the gospel across the nations. Isn't that insane? Your heart. That what God wants to do in your heart is the same thing that He wants to do across the whole earth. And if you will allow Him to do it in you and catch and receive that impartation of His heart, you'll begin to become His hands and feet so that others can come into that same reality. So you're, you're so precious to Him. Do you know that? Amen. So I'm going to do my best to stick to my notes because you know me. Uh, I get fired up and then I'll go down different things. But I really feel the Lord wants to minister this to us. And so I'm going to do my best to stick to my notes. And if you, if you need some time to do this, we're going to go back to Psalms 103. Um, so you can already get that out and, and get ready. We'll, we'll come to that in a second. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would minister to us and encourage our hearts. And I'm asking that you would release the freedom that comes from the gospel. That you would release wholeness. That you would release healing. That we would catch the revelation of your heart this morning. Lord, I'm asking right now that you would release your anointing on me and on my words, that you'd minister to my heart, minister to our hearts. Guide my tongue, Holy Spirit, that every word that comes from my mouth would be of your heart. And I pray that if there's anything I say in the next 40 minutes that's not in your heart, Lord, would it be forgotten, but that which is of you, let it bring life and transformation and wholeness to us in Jesus' name. I submit to you, Holy Spirit. We submit our hearts to you. We want to receive your word as a community. We bless you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm feeling super pastoral today, so you're just going to stick with me. Is that okay? I know sometimes I get you know, fiery evangelist vibe, but I'm feeling very pastoral. So um, we're a family. We're in the, the living room together. Let's dive into his word. Let's let him speak to us. Amen? All right. So I just want to say this. Christianity without God is the most devastating experience man can have. <laughs> Christianity without God is the most devastating experience man can have. Because it's not Christianity first and foremost. And it becomes dead religion. It's dead religion wrapped in the wisdom of man. 
And we've got to be so careful that we don't get caught up in the rituals, routines, and the religion of what Christianity has become in so many ways, that it becomes dead and it begins to become the wisdom of man and it it doesn't carry the substance of God. What that looks like is a people who attach themselves to the mannerisms of Christianity but are devoid or without the power of Christ in their life. Don't settle for that. Let's not be a people that settle for a mediocre message but don't live for the purposes and plans of God in the fullness of the power of what He paid for. I know that's weighty already. People are like, wow, dude, you started off with that. That's huge. No, I mean this with all my heart, and I'll tell you why. Because we actually don't have time to play the games of a Christian way or Christian movement without knowing the way, the man, Jesus, without our lives being touched, changed, and transformed by him. And I want to encourage you, that's not me saying, hey, get your act together and figure out how to do this. That's me saying we're in desperate need of him. I want to start out by saying this. I'll get to it later and I'll unpack this. But can I just, can I just say one statement that I believe explains and expresses the heart of God? He really wants to be received. Like that's God's heart. God's desire is that you would receive Him. Because only once you've received Him can you begin to walk in what He's called you to do. So often we're trying to get to the stuff before we receive Him. We're trying to do the things before we've received Him. And that's where Christianity gets really warped. Because we become a people with a message on our lips, but we don't have the substance of God in our lives. I'd rather be lowly and in need of Jesus and, and posture my life in a place to receive the substance of God, trusting that His presence and power will bring transformation in and through my life. I'd rather be there than be somebody who's trying to perform and prove that God's real in my life when I don't really know Him, right? Because what happens is on this side, if we do that, we'll settle for high fives on a Sunday, our services, feel-good expressions, a latte at the door, 25 minutes worship, 20-minute encouragement. And we'll be happy that we tick the box of attending church, but we'll never actually become the bride that He paid for. And that's not a heavy, it's reality, amen? Amen, Connor. Thank you. Wow. No, it's okay. I know that it's, sometimes I know we go quiet when things begin to settle in our heart, and that's okay. I just want to say a couple of things. Religion, religion plays the, plays the game of moral pretense and likes to play dress up with the masks of self-righteousness. I'll say that again. Religion plays the game of moral pretense and likes to play dress up with the masks of self-righteousness. It's a form of godliness with no power. It's a false sense of piety that hopes to convince the world that it actually can live the holy lifestyle. And this is why it's dead, why it suffocates us, and why so many people have had a horrible experience of Christianity because all their experience was a standard that was put on them that they know they'll never meet. And then they met a group of people that pretended that they were meeting that standard. Religion is it's a suffocating lie that keeps the heart trapped in a cycle of the strain of performance with an empty experience of the true heart and character of God. Let me say it differently. Religion leaves you in the strain of performance without ever experiencing the true heart and character of God. Religion lies to you and it tells you that God expects something that He never put on you. It becomes chains and shackles that keep you dry, bound, limited, negative, depressed, and without hope. But yet you feel the need to prove to everybody that you're okay. 
Religion can have God on its lips, but never experience God dwelling in the heart. It will always tell you that God demands more before He can call you His home. It steals your gaze from beholding the only one who's actually worthy. God is not looking for a people of religion. God's looking for a people for His own possession. We need to understand that God's intention is to fill you. When I talk about religion, I'm talking about the legalistic wisdom of man, the law without Christ. God never gave us the law as a standard to meet. It was a mirror to show us our need for Jesus. The law is holy, but it wasn't, it wasn't the design for us to live by. It was to show us we needed Christ, that when we receive Christ, He puts the law on our hearts and minds, and He will produce righteousness through us. Can I tell you where the expressions of Christianity have gone wrong? It's where Christianity stopped being supernatural. When the church stopped being a supernatural people, when the church stopped expecting supernatural outcomes, when we stopped realizing that we need a supernatural shift and change in our heart, that salvation is not a prayer that helps you get better, it's actually a supernatural death and resurrection in Christ. It's a brand new life. How does it happen? It's difficult to explain. Why? Because it's supernatural. We've lost our demonstration of power as a church because we've lost our faith in a supernatural God. We've, be, we've begun to allow God to be shaped and defined in our own image rather than realizing we were born to be in His. Amen? It's too common in the church to see converts living in the desperation of a true experience of transformation but are left trying to convince themselves and others that they're okay. Let me say that again. It's become too common in the church to see converts living in the desperation of a true experience of transformation. Majority of the Western church lives in a desperation to be truly changed by God. Yet they're stuck in this strain of trying to convince themselves and convince others that it's okay, it's okay, I, I said the prayer, I'm trying to do the things, I'm ticking the boxes and it's okay. And what it's leaving people with is a dry experience of God. And so they begin to become hopeless, disappointed, sad, depressed. And they miss the heart of God right in the midst of all of that with the Lord saying, you're putting a pressure and an expectation on yourself that I never put on you. All I've ever asked is that you would receive what I've done. And I promise you that will offend your religious mind. If there's any religious bone in your body, you're probably freaking out right now. And that's okay. Because that's how good the gospel is. It needs to offend you to set you free. It needs to offend your mind to go, that's insane. It cannot be that simple. It cannot be that I would only receive and he'll change everything. There must be something that I have to do. And that's called self-righteousness and it's the arrogance of man. And this is why we have to allow Jesus to crucify our self-nature so that we can come alive in him. Amen. The strain of trying to be seen as holy while living in the painful reality of our broken humanity is crippling believers. I'll say that again. The strain of trying to be seen as holy while living in the painful reality of our broken humanity is crippling believers. Or worse, it's producing an arrogant mask that hopes to hide rather than go low. We hear a powerful message of salvation, but live in a shallow experience of transformation. I'm, 
I don't know if you, I'm doing this very gently, but I'm actually pastorally just punching a few things in the gut because I'm about to bring how the gospel actually transforms our heart. But we've got to allow the Lord to really break this religious thing over our hearts and minds so we can walk in freedom, amen? See, we desire to change and be who God says that we are, but we're still trying to do it ourselves. Let me, let me be real. I know, I don't think there's a single person in this room that wouldn't say you have a sincere desire in your heart to be who God's called you to be, right? Like God knows the sincerity of our hearts. Nobody is, is, is trying to meet a standard out of uh, wickedness in their heart. They're doing it out of sincerity, but they've missed the heart of God. We'll never step into the reality of change and transformation that the gospel brings in our own strength. It's not how the gospel is designed. It doesn't matter how hard you try. That's not how the gospel works. You get this? Somewhere in our belief system, we still believe it's up to us to produce the change. That it's up to us to transform our hearts. And we've got to allow the Lord to renew our minds. To bring transformation to the way we think and believe so that we can receive what He wants to give us. See, us trying to produce the change... It is and it always will be impossible. I'm just going to make some statements here just to set it up and then I'm going to tackle a specific topic that I, I, I'm going to introduce it today and I believe that the Lord will start to work in our hearts. But I want to just say a couple of these statements. Number one, the gospel is not a self-help message. The gospel is not a self-help message. It's not the add-on, the tag-on to your mental health struggle. It's not the remedy to your whatever. It's not a way to an upgraded version of yourself. It's not a second chance or a reset. The gospel is the end of your ability and your attempts to be righteous. It's the end of your ability and your attempts to be righteous and it's the beginning of the master plan of God, Christ in you. It's the beginning of God's true desire expressed, which is that you would finally be able to receive Him. See, He has to get rid of your drive and, and desire to do it in your own strength so that you can finally come to the end of yourself and just be lowly and meek and go, Jesus, I need you. And He goes, that's all I'm looking for. Actually, in your weakness, my power is made perfect. <laughs> he wants to be received. God desires that you would choose to allow Him to dwell, to remain, and to occupy your life. See, the gospel puts you to death, and then it brings you to new life, his life, and then fills you with himself. I want to say this, and I'll unpack it a little bit as we go. Weakness is different to rebellion. Weakness is different to rebellion. Weakness doesn't scare God. He actually fills weakness, and he's committed to the journey. He's a father. What father would be turned away from a weak, the weakness of his child? Of course not. He's very aware of the weakness, and it's his great joy to become the answer. It's his great joy to say, when you're weak, I'm strong. We, we want to see the power of God in our lives. We want to see the strength of God, but we're afraid to be weak. 
We're afraid to, to come to terms with the fact that if God does not fill me, there is no hope anyway. If my, faith is, if my faith and my confidence is not in His power at work in me, I have no hope anyway. I would rather put my confidence in the gospel, stay lowly and meek and put my faith in Him, than come onto this side and be self-righteous, arrogant, cover myself with masks, lie to myself and to others to try to keep a mask or a picture of something that's not the reality of my heart, that's devoid of the substance of God. This is not accusational. This is encouraging to our hearts to say, we all need the reality and the substance of God. Amen? See, rebellion is when self-righteousness partners with arrogance and produces harm to yourself and others. I'm going to come back to that. So why do most of us struggle to receive the fullness of God? It is, after all, the most glorious good news and hope for our lives, right? Why do we struggle to receive it? I believe that most of the church today does not fully understand the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. See, forgiveness, forgiveness is the beginning of transformation for your heart. We have limited forgiveness to the acceptance of reality rather than realizing it's the power to be free. Okay, let me say this. Grant's looking at me like, what? <laughs> We've limited forgiveness to the acceptance of reality. Let me give you an example. Somebody hurts you and harms you or hurt your heart and so you know you need to forgive them and so what we've called forgiveness is I'll just accept that this is real and it's just something that I have to deal with and something that I've got to move on from so it's okay but your heart is left in pain the gospel is not evident in your heart you're not seeing clearly you don't have the perspective of Christ because you're actually still broken and hurt and you've allowed forgiveness to just settle at a place of acceptance rather than seeing it as the power to be free Forgiveness is the beginning of the transformed life. And I want to just say this very quickly. What I'm saying this morning is not something that I've arrived at, nor is it something that I'm saying, hey, you need to just get this. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, can we make sure that the aim of our, of our hearts, where, where we're going in this journey, can we make sure that it's Him? Can we make sure that it's His heart, His character, His nature? And can we make sure we don't settle for a lowly, human, broken expression of our Christianity? You get me? In other words, because of weakness, God is so patient and kind that He will go on the journey with us. But let me tell you where He's taking you. He's taking you to His heart. He's taking you to become the embodiment of His nature and what He's like. And so let's make sure that our understanding of things like forgiveness is in His nature and not in our own. That we're not, we're not looking for a measure of forgiveness that's on a human level. We need a supernatural expression of forgiveness in our own hearts and lives for ourselves and for others. See, forgiveness is received before it's acted upon. Forgiveness liberates your heart to believe the truth about God's heart. If we don't know that we are forgiven, we won't truly know that we're loved. If we don't know that we are forgiven, we will always strive to convince ourselves that we've changed. If we don't realize that God's forgiveness isn't based on our behavior, we will always think forgiveness is earned, when in fact forgiveness is a gift. Just think about that for a second. 
Forgiveness is a gift. So Jesus forgave us before we'd even made the mistakes. He took upon himself all the brokenness of humanity before it was, I mean, Jesus died before we even existed. And he took upon our failures, our brokenness upon himself and forgave us before it even happened. So forgiveness was a choice that he made in the midst of pain. I guarantee you, and I promise you this, that Jesus felt the pain of rejection. He felt the sting of rejection. He felt the betrayal. He felt all the emotions of what came at him. But he made a conscious decision to, to rise above an earthly realm and come from a spiritual place of the fullness of God and bring a supernatural forgiveness that was a gift to mankind. Can I, can I be so bold as to say forgiveness without Christ is not really forgiveness? That forgive, the human expression of forgiveness does not carry the power to be set free. It needs Christ. Jesus forgave us before we even knew we needed it. And so true forgiveness, like Jesus, is not based on feelings, it's based on love. Isn't that powerful? And it's amazing because love never fails. Forgiveness is not natural to the human heart. But it is the fruit of a supernatural life in Christ. Why do we see brokenness in humanity? Because forgiveness is not natural to the human heart. It's not a fruit of the fleshly nature. So we need the supernatural love of Jesus in our hearts to actually forgive. It's the fruit of our faith in Jesus. See, we receive forgiveness and we are able to forgive from that place. The whole process of true forgiveness is supernatural. Uh, what I'm trying to say is I hope you can see that we need God. I don't know what, how this is landing in your heart because I, there's so many different things that are probably going on in your life. But I can guarantee you that this becomes a handle for everyday life. I can guarantee you that there is an area in your life where you're needing God in this way, the supernatural touch of God, the supernatural impartation of His heart to forgive, to walk in freedom so that you can love, to be free from you so you can love others. Can I say it like this? Forgiveness is not a one-time transaction. Sometimes we, we treat it like... I need God to give me that one-time transaction of He's forgiven me and thank you. I get the receipt, forgiven, tattoo, put it on my chest, you know. Forgive me if you have a tattoo on your chest that says forgive. That's beautiful, but it's not a one-time transaction. It'll never be a one-time transaction even relationally between one another. Forgiveness is a heart posture. It's a heart posture that's practiced and stewarded. And the way we do that is by continually keeping our eyes on Jesus and receiving his forgiveness for ourselves. You can only not forgive somebody else when you don't think you need forgiveness. When you know you need forgiveness, you understand that because of what Jesus did, you can access the forgiveness he's given you and from that place forgive others. Can I be so bold as to say that forgiveness is the key to internal wholeness? Let me maybe say it like this. Jesus is the only one with the, with the true right to forgive. 
There's only one who's pure. There's only one who's righteous. There's only one who's holy. There's only one who's worthy. If there's anyone who has the right to actually be in a place to forgive, it's Christ. The only reason why sometimes we hold things against each other is because we think that one sin is greater than another. But the reality is before the Father, sin is sin. And so we cannot even forgive one another until we first receive the forgiveness that comes through Christ. We have to be forgiven in order to forgive. And if you don't know that you're forgiven, you won't forgive. There's so many scriptures I could bring up, but thinking of the one of he is forgiven much, loves much. He is forgiven little, loves little, right? In other words, if you don't think you're forgiven, if you don't see the, the magnitude of the forgiveness that's been given to you, the expression from your own life is measured by what you've received. Do you, do you hear that? The expression of forgiveness from your own life is measured by how much you've received. And I want to, I'm going to get there in a second. Hopefully, Holy Spirit help me. But I want to tie this to the fact that this is why we need to be meek and lowly. This is why we need to protect our hearts from the arrogance of religion. Our forgiveness needs to come from His. Let me say this. Our attempt, our attempt to forgive apart from the forgiveness of Jesus is a self-righteous attempt that doesn't carry transformational power. You can say the words, I forgive you, but if it doesn't come from His forgiveness, it doesn't carry the transforming power of the gospel. It's only the love of God that transforms us. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So we were singing about forgiveness and we started singing about the blood of Jesus and I, I can boldly say this morning that true forgiveness is only by the blood of Jesus. Our hearts are only going to become free when we realize there's only one who's worthy. You know, we can sing that song over and over again, but the reality is we need to come to terms with the truth of that for our own life. It's not you. We're not singing about you. We're not singing about me. There's only one. And He's the one that we have access to. He's the one who has fullness. All the fullness of God dwells in Him. And it pleased the Father to do so. The fullness of God is in the Son. And the Son has made us one with Him. And He's saying, I want to give you all that I am. And all I'm asking for is that you receive me. And religion will come against that very thing in every possible way to cause you to actually think once again not to eat from the tree of life, but to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No, you can do it yourself. Your own attempt just, just figure out what's right and wrong and you can do it. Self-sufficiency, self-dependence, self-righteousness, arrogance and pride. We all, we all go there. But the invitation from the Father is he's like, all I'm asking you to do is to eat from the tree of life, to receive who I am and to live in the evidence of that. Let the substance of God bring transformation to your heart. And here's the incredible thing about it. You are not in control of that. See, in the age we live in, we want to be in control. We want to dictate how it goes. We want to decide where God's allowed to touch my heart and where He's not. The spaces that He can and can't fill. I want to track my progress. I want to have the Instagram posts uh, mapped out of my transformational process. The reality is it doesn't look like that with the Father. He's either Lord or He's not. He wants the whole thing. He wants to occupy. He wants to fill. All is all. Lord, you have all of me, just not this part. Not true. All is all. Oneness is oneness. 
There are no compartments to oneness. Why am I saying this this morning? I believe that the gospel sets our heart free and sometimes we've got to allow the Lord to go to the deep places of our heart to touch us where it matters. To bring the revelation of His truth so that we can walk out the fullness of what He paid for. He wants you whole. He wants you free. And that doesn't come from being impressive. It comes from being lowly. It comes from humility. It comes from a dependence on Jesus. Because that's not a broken place. That's a place where the confidence of God fills you. You begin to become a people who walk in a confidence that's not in yourself. It's in God. That looks far more bold than someone who's confident in themselves. There's a boldness that comes on the righteous when their righteousness is not their own. Amen? We'll begin to shine and see the radiance of Jesus expressed in our lives when it's His righteousness that work in us and through us. See, the beauty of His righteousness is that the righteousness of Jesus makes the wrong things right. He does not expect you to do that. He just expects you to yield. He just expects you to receive. Again, I'm going to come back to it. God wants to be received. How do we receive Him? By faith. We believe that He actually, what He said is true. That if you said, you've separated me from my sins as far as the east is from the west. In fact, the better translation of that is He separated you from your guilt as far as the east is from the west. That's what He said. He actually said that that's for you. And so faith grabs a hold of that and says, that's mine. He separated me from that. Now, let me be real and say, I know that that is the full expression of the gospel and God is leading our hearts by faith into that. And so he takes us on a journey. He's not afraid of your weakness. So what I'm preaching today, what I'm sharing with us is the fullness of of what we are called to live in. Let's make sure that the direction we're going in in our hearts is into that fullness. Let's not settle for a a, a half-hearted expression. Let's go for the fullness of His heart. Let's let Him shape and form that in our hearts. Yes, it might take a journey. Yes, there might be ups and downs. But here's what's so beautiful. Grace holds you in the process. See, grace is the birth of transformation. It holds you in the process of transformation. And it's the finishing point of transformation. It's His grace. It's the blood of Jesus that covers you, that sustains you, that protects you, that leads you. I honestly believe that the reason why so often we become critical, analytic, and judgmental is because we forget how much we've been forgiven. You, you can't become bitter if you know you've been forgiven. <laughs> and I know, let me tell you, I know this message of the gospel offends our self-nature to the core. I know. It's, it's painful. It's like... Ah, Lord, but can't you just let me be mad? Lord, can't you just let me froth? (laughs) And the reality is, He is so kind and He's so beautiful that He goes on the journey with us and goes, I got you. I'm going to walk with you into wholeness. I'm going to walk with you into freedom. Can I just say this? Here's a red flag. It's a good way for you to measure your life. 
If you're in a place of brokenness and the way you're seeing things is like, well, if that person understood the gospel, they'd treat me differently. <laughs> I want to encourage you, that's the arrogance of man. Well, if they just understood the gospel, if they actually just, if they'd heard Connor's preach and just lived this out, maybe they'd actually just get off my back about the fact that I hurt them or upset them more. No, I'm serious. This is, that's a place where we've got to go, Lord, that's not the gospel. The gospel's for me. The gospel's for me first. It's for my heart first. Because I also have to understand that as I journey with others relationally, that, that in weakness the Lord is making his, uh, his power complete. Does that make sense? See, the difference between weakness and rebellion is that Weakness is on the journey of allowing the strength of Jesus to, to minister to their heart and life. And they're in need of Jesus. Rebellion is when you decide that you'll stay in weakness without the desire to journey. And you cover up, hide, and you actually become harmful to yourself and others. It's when self-righteousness partners with arrogance. I've been thinking about this and just going, Lord, we've all been there, so this is not me. I mean, you could all put your hand up and go, I've been in that place where self-righteousness partners with arrogance. It's when we put masks up. It's when we become expressions of something that, that is trying to perform, trying to impress, but the, the evidence, the substance of our heart is not carrying the life of Christ. And the answer to that is to come back to the lowly place with Jesus and just say, I need to receive you. And there's something about the dynamic, exuberant, resurrection life of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the grace of God, the mercy of God, that if we will allow it to fill our hearts and lives, He will bring a transformation that is far beyond anything we could do in our own strength. Do you know what the fruit of a forgiven son or daughter is? Creativity. You start to see things come alive in you that you didn't even know were there. Dreams and, and, and expressions and faith and boldness and confidence. It's all the fruit of a son and daughter who knows they're forgiven, loved, and accepted in Christ. In other words, the, the things that God's called you to do, that He placed in you before you were even born, those things only come from somebody who knows they're in Him, who knows they're forgiven, who can love freely. Sometimes we're in a place where we're trying to, we don't want to deal with the unforgiveness in our heart towards ourselves or others, so we just cover that up, and then we want to do the stuff. I want to be impressive. I want to prove that I'm actually following Jesus. I want to prove that I'm actually, I'm spiritual, and I've got this thing, and I've figured it out. But nobody can see my brokenness. And so now, when people do start to see bits of my brokenness, I become critical, analytical, push people away, accuse, rather than just coming back to that place and going, Lord, here's my heart. I need you. I want to be filled with the nature and character of Jesus. Man, I, I want to be so filled with the nature and character of Jesus that what flows from my life should shock me. What flows from my life should be like, that's not my kindness. That's not my forgiveness. That, that actually, inside my flesh is freaking out, yet something rose up inside of me, began to override that, and suddenly there was an expression of the love of Jesus that came from my life. How did that happen, God? Oh, this sounds like Christianity. It's supernatural. You see, that community 
who have been radically marked and transformed by the forgiveness of Jesus, they become a people where the destinies of heaven can be redeemed in sons and daughters. Where broken sons and daughters can come in and they're not being analyzed and criticized and judged. They're being welcomed, loved, and and life and hope is being spoken over them. And suddenly something begins to stir in their hearts and they go, I'm coming alive again. There's creativity from my life. How did this happen? How can I be forgiven this much? How can I feel so free from the opinions of man? How can I be so free from my past? Because this is the gospel. This is what Jesus paid for. This is how a guy like Paul who murdered and persecuted Christians can come into a church called Antioch who were affected by his very actions and scattered in fear and they can welcome him in not just as a son, as a leader. Now, let me tell you, if you're hearing this and you're going, man, that standard of the gospel is here, and the reality of my heart is somewhere over here. And I'm like, that's beautiful. I love that. I want that, but I am not there. This is what I'm trying to say to you. I'm going, who cares? Because that's not what God's looking at. He's going, this is who I am. I'm asking you to receive me, and I will bring you into the fullness of who I am. This is not about whether you think you're close to it, far from it, or where you think you are. This is about you being lowly and humble to receive who I am. If you'll receive me, watch what I'll do. Stop measuring and start receiving. Stop criticizing and start receiving. Stop analyzing and start receiving. Now, I want to make something very clear. What I'm saying today does not take you away from the responsibility of relational accountability. That's important for you to hear this. Because our actions can hurt others. And there is a process of reconciliation. There's a process of outworking forgiveness. There's a process of rebuilding trust. There's a process of all these things that take place. The forgiveness of Jesus is not taking us away from relational accountability. It's empowering us to be free in the process. It's empowering us to be reconciled with one another. To be reconciled with God. To live in the fullness of what He's doing so that He can heal. For me to to think that the message of forgiveness uh, removes me from the responsibility of, of of relational accountability, for me to think that is arrogance. But for me to say, God, in the midst of process, thank you that I don't have to process from a place of disqualification, fear, and failure. But I can process from a place of we all need Christ. We're in this together, and we're going to be reconciled in Him. That it's only by Him. It's only by His blood. It's only because of His heart. And there might be expressions that don't look, you know, can I just, can I be very transparent with you? Reconciliation doesn't always look like what we think it looks like. Because Paul's cry to people is that we'd be reconciled to God. Ministers of reconciliation is first and foremost that people would come to be reconciled to God. But you are not in control of people's relational journeys or walks. You are not in control of somebody else's response. You are not in control of somebody else's heart. You are only called to steward your own. And so to be reconciled means to first and foremost be reconciled to God and living in the finished work for your own heart and life so that you can become the hands and feet of Jesus. I don't get to put the terms and conditions on the outcome of what that looks like. I just get to live by faith in Him. I stay rooted and grounded and established in His heart and love. Be careful not to take the wisdom of man and attach it to truth. Because what the wisdom of man does is it goes, well, if God's done this in my heart, it must mean this and this for that relationship. Or it must, it must automatically mean this and this and this for that situation or for this circumstance. 
And that's when we apply the wisdom of man to what God's doing. God's after your heart. The fruit is up to Him. I'm going to say something bold, and I'll try and explain it. God cares about your heart more than being right. God's not insecure. God doesn't have to prove to you what's right. He is right. He cares about your heart more than about just being right. It's why he gave his son. Because if it was just about being right, why would he give Jesus? He'd just be like, you're wrong. It's over. But he didn't do that. He said, I'm right. You're wrong. But I love you. The righteousness of Jesus makes the wrong things right. Let's not measure our lives by the outcome of situations. Let's measure our lives by the evidence of God in our hearts expressed through our lives. Maybe your situation doesn't turn out the way you think the right thing is or the way you thought it was going to turn out. But if you can see the nature of Jesus expressed in you and through you, I promise you the gospel's at work. Amen. Is everyone okay? I know this is super weighty, and I, when I was preparing this, I was like, Lord Jesus, it's weighty for my own heart. I can feel the strength of the Lord, actually, as I'm speaking, because it's a very, this is tender for people. This is tender for all of us. I guarantee you, you're walking something with this message goes right to the heart of that situation. Guarantee you. This is not the kind of message you prepare as a pastor that's like, I'm just going to come and inject the momentum and, you know, oh, it's just going to really fire up the church. This is the one that's like, I'm going to bring the scalpel and we're going to cut straight to the heart and open it up and let God do some work. And that's terrifying as a pastor because you're like, I love you. I just want to hug all of you and go, it's okay. It's going to be all right. But I promise you, we need this. We need this. And, and, and my prayer for all of us is that we go from this place not uh, somber and like, whoa, gee, that was intense. Can't know why. No, but going and realizing how much Jesus loves us. Can I say it like this today? Jesus loves you too much for you to walk into this room and walk out the same. He loves you too much for you to come and, and sit you today, hear his word, and then just go, that was great, high five, and let's just carry on with our lives. Sometimes his word cuts like a sword, but it does that in order to bring life. He's cutting away the things that are not in his heart, and he's bringing truth. He's bringing revelation. He's bringing freedom. And when you're sore, and when you're in pain, you run to Abba. Because Jesus came and he introduced us to Father. They said, Jesus, how do we pray? And he said, I want to teach you. It starts like this, Father. And they were going, that's insane. How could you call Adonai Father? Like, we haven't heard that. And he's going, no, I want to reveal to you the true heart of God, Father. There's so much 
that we can talk about on, on the topic of forgiveness and, and these things. But really, all, I, all I'm hoping to communicate today is how intentional the Lord is with your heart, how beautiful He shepherds us and leads us, and how much He really wants you to walk in what He paid for. He's just asking for you to receive Him this morning. You don't need to um, take this message today and try to apply it like a copy and paste to your circumstance and situation. That's not how I'm preaching. If anything, I'm begging you to take your eyes off of your situation and circumstance. Stop looking for the answer to a situation and just go, Lord, I just want you to fill my heart. I just want to receive your nature. The answer to the majority of what we are walking is just Him in us. I don't know how to say this. I, feel, I don't know why I feel like it's still there, so I'm just going to repeat myself. But I feel like for some of you, this, the outcomes to things aren't, You've had a certain perspective on what you think that's going to look like. And you think that that's what it means and that's how God's going to do it. And he's going, can you stop doing that and just let that go? Let go of the outcomes. Let go of, of the situations and the circumstances and take a hold of me. Because the beautiful thing is that when you look at those who follow Jesus in the Bible, the situations, circumstances, and outcomes were not easy. And they didn't always look like, oh, God just made everything you know, breezy and easy. It wasn't like that. In fact, it looked difficult, and, and some of the situations was like, whoa, how could God allow that to happen? Yet in the midst of it, sons and daughters were revealing the nature of Jesus. In the midst of pain, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of struggle, Christ was being manifest. Christ was being known. The love of Jesus was on the earth. This is where the kingdom of God begins to infiltrate every part of our lives and every part of society, is that in the brokenness, Christ is known. He never leaves us there. He always takes us into His fullness. He's faithful to lead you. He's faithful to take weakness and to manifest His strength and His power. Amen? So I want to read Psalms 103. And yes, I'm going to read it again out of the Passion Translation. If you don't like it, read it in the Amplified. That's the best. I'm Amplified through and through. So, In more ways than one. <laughs> But the Passion Translation is this beautiful language of love. And uh, why I like it is because it's actually titled in the Passion, Our Father's Love, Psalm 103. With my whole heart and with my whole life and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the Holy God. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You've rescued me from hell and saved my life, and you've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things, and you've supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. You're a God who makes things right, giving justice to the defenseless. You unveiled to Moses your plans and showed Israel's sons what you could do. Lord, you're so kind and tender-hearted and so patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. You don't look at us only to find our faults just so that you can hold a grudge against us. You may discipline us for our sins, but never as much as we really deserve. Nor do you even get even with us for what we've done. Higher than the highest heavens, that's how your tender mercy extends. Greater than the grandeur of earth above is the greatness of your loyal love towering over all who fear you and bow down before you. Farther than from a sunrise to a sunset or from the east to the west, that's how far you've removed our guilt from us. 
The same way a loving father feels towards his children, that's but a sample of your tender feelings towards us, your beloved children who live in awe of you. You know all about us, inside and out. You are mindful that we're made from dust. Our days are so few and our momentary beauty so swiftly fades away. Then all of a sudden we're gone like grass clippings blown away in a gust of wind, taken away to our appointment with death, leaving nothing to show that we were here. But Lord, your endless love stretches from one eternity to the other, unbroken and unrelenting toward those who fear you and those who bow face down and all before you. Your faithfulness to keep every gracious promise you've made passes from parents to children to grandchildren and beyond. You are faithful to all those who follow your ways and keep your word. Yahweh has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules the entire universe. So bless the Lord, all his messengers of power. For you are his mighty heroes who listen intently to the voice of his word to do it. Bless and praise the Lord, you mighty warriors, ministers who serve him well and fulfill his desires. I will bless and praise the Lord with my whole heart. Let all his works throughout the earth, wherever his dominion stretches, let everything bless the Lord. Holy Spirit, I'm asking this morning that you'll take this word, I hope, Lord, an encouraging word to our hearts, and you'll bring freedom, liberty, and life. Jesus, I'm asking that you would teach us, show us that you're inviting us as your children to receive all the fullness of who you are so we can walk in the evidence and the substance of God. Lord, I, I ask again, if there's anything I've said today that's not in your heart, would it be forgotten? But Jesus, I'm really asking that that which is the truth, the gospel, that Lord, it would really minister to our innermost being, that it would bring freedom, transformation, and life. And Lord, we repent wherever we have allowed the masks of religion to take place in our lives, where we've partnered with arrogance or self-righteousness, we just repent and we say, thank you, God, that in the low places, the river flows, that the waters, the living waters rush to the low places, that you lift up and strengthen us, that in, in, in our weakest moments, you're strong, that you can take weakness and make something so beautiful and glorious out of it. And so we rejoice in you, Jesus. We rejoice in you as the only righteous one, the resurrected king, the pure and shining and radiant one who has made us one with him. That we've become holy because you're holy. That we will never meet a standard outside of you, but you've become the standard within us. That the glorious good news of the gospel is that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And once and for all, we will never be separated from him. And because of our Savior and our Lord and our King, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on situational circumstance. It's the eternal reality of Him. Jesus, come, reveal Yourself to us. Teach us, train us, mold us. Thank You for Your gospel, Lord. Thank You for Your truth. Even as it's tender this morning and weighty, God, I'm asking that in the weightiness there'd be joy. That in, in the weight of your glory, that in, in the, the, the tenderness of the ministry of your gospel this morning, I'm asking that there would be life and peace and hope and joy. I honor you, Holy Spirit, and I honor your word, and I thank you that we cannot do this apart from you. Lord, right now I release a fresh revelation of the gospel, the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. 
Lord, I receive you this morning. I really feel that the Lord is so gently just ministering to us and one that's that we would know that we're so forgiven by Him. But also that we would forgive ourselves and that we f- would forgive others. And I want to encourage you that He is right here in this room just to touch your heart and to lead your heart on that journey. And it might be an instantaneous moment where the Lord radically sets things free in your heart and begins to release certain things that you've carried. It might be a process, but today the Holy Spirit wants you to know that He is committed to you. He is committed to your heart. He's committed to the journey. He is walking with you every single step, and He will not stop until His fullness is established in you. He will not stop until His fullness is formed and shaped and established in you. You can let go of situation and circumstance. You can let go of outcome. You can remove every pressure to seem right. You can move, remove every pressure to perform. And you can rest this morning in the beautiful finished work of Jesus. Cling to Him. Grab a hold of Him. Don't let go of Him. And watch what He's going to do in and through you. He's mighty to save. There's some who the Lord is just ministering to your heart and He's saying, you're not what you once were. You can let go of every lie of the enemy that tries to attach itself to your present and to your future and allow Him to minister. And yes, there might be journeys, but the reality is right now He wants you to know you're a son, you're a daughter. You stand in the righteousness of Jesus. Just as if you've never sinned, holy, blameless, and above reproach. Maybe you don't feel it, but I promise you it is your reality right now. Lord, I ask, would you give us faith to believe the word of the Lord over our lives? God, I'm asking that you'd help us to let go today. There are things that we have to let go of. Help us let go, Jesus. Help us let go, Lord so we can take a hold of you, so we can take a hold of life. Some of you will experience such freedom on the other side of this. Because I just see it, I'm like, creativity is the evidence and the fruit of sons and daughters who are free. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. We receive you, Lord. We receive you, Lord. Can we stand together this morning?
So what do you do with a word like this? You take it straight to the secret place with him. And you just receive. You just let him love you. Can we just lift our hands? Holy Spirit, if there's any weight or burden that's not you, thank you, Lord Jesus. I just ask that you remove it. But the weightiness of your presence and your glory and the tenderness of your heart, thank you that it would rest on us, Lord, because it brings life. It brings life. It brings hope. You're so kind, you're so gentle, and you're so tender. And this morning, you're doing such a deep work in our hearts. And we receive that, Lord. And we receive you. Let the gospel do its work in us, Jesus. Lord, I pray for 24-7 church. And I plead the blood of Jesus over this house and of every person. And I thank you that as we walk out of this room today, even though it's a tender Sunday, God, that the life of Jesus would flow through us. We know that you've placed us in this city at this time to be your people. So we want to step into the destiny of heaven. We want to see the nations come to know you. But God, we know that our hearts are so precious and valuable to you. So we give you our hearts first. We love you. We bless you. We honor you and we worship you. And we trust you. We put everything in your hands and we yield again. Lord, I bless this house and I celebrate every single son and daughter that's a part of 24-7. And even those who are visiting and maybe are not a part of this house, I bless them and I thank you, God, for the hand of the Lord on their lives. And so we just say, God, as a family, we love you. We bless you. We receive you. We're excited, God, for all that you're doing in us and through us. Fill this house, God. Fill every single one of us, Jesus. We love you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I know that's weighty. I know that it's tender. I hope you're encouraged. Uh, If you need prayer or you want to just let the Lord minister to you, I'll ask the team to put a bit of a pad on or something and you can just linger. If we can, try and respect those that are just spending a little bit more time lingering. But if you want to have coffee and cake, please do that. Um, I just want you to know we really love you. It's the greatest privilege to be a part of this family. And I'm excited for what the Lord's doing. There's so much that He's unfolding. And um, I know, like I know, like I know, that God has positioned us for His glory. And uh, so thank you for diving into truth. Thank you for not shying away from the fullness of the gospel. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you for standing together as a family, for being one body, one bride. We love you. We celebrate you. And uh, we'll see you in the midweek or next weekend. And we're praying for you. Our teams are praying for you. We really love you so much. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for being here. And enjoy some coffee. And if you need prayer again, our teams will pray for you. Love you so much. Thank you, guys.